as I began here this morning, you know, the world that we live in is a dark place. You know, I think all of us would agree, you know, we, we look at the news, we see the different events, the, all the things that are happening around us, and I think all of us would come to the conclusion at the very minimum, the place that we live, not just here in the United States, but I believe the world as a whole um, is, a, it, is, a, um, as a whole, is a dark place. Isaiah chapter 5 says, What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. Then Isaiah goes on to say in 50, Isaiah 59, 14, it says, justice is pushed back and righteous behavior stands far away. For truth has fallen in the city square and integrity cannot enter. And that was written thousands of years ago, but it's as if Isaiah was writing that to us today in 2022. And how true are those words that he has spoken? And um, good is evil and evil is good. And, you know, they're, they're accusing us of doing away with abortion. They're, they're, they're saying that we are the ones that are so evil. And here we are, all we're trying to do is protect an innocent life. That a baby that's inside of the womb that has no self-defense, has no way of defending themselves... We are just passing laws and making, just making righteous decisions that bring justice for the most innocent among us. And they're doing just what it says. They're calling good evil and evil good. And um, it's just remarkable to see and to hear, to hear people speak um, the way they speak. And then dark is light and light is dark. And we know that the, the, uh, you know, the world that we live in, the, the society we live in, the media, Hollywood, all those different things that are trying to to infiltrate our schools with the whole agenda of transgenders, homosexuality, all those different things, and they're trying to make it sound like those things are right, and we're the ones that are wrong. And it's just what, what Isaiah said here, they're calling dark light, and light is dark. And then justice, justice is pushed back, and, and that, that is so true. It just seems like, and that's probably the thing that most of us probably get frustrated with, is we see the injustice that has taken place right before our very eyes, but we don't see any consequence for it. Like, there's no punishment. It's like there's injustice, but where's the, where's the, the consequence or the, the punishment for those things that are happening? And, um, and I told my wife this, and I, and I believe we already hear at this point, and if you listen to this, it'll make sense if, if you pay attention to what I'm saying. We have reached a point, at, at least in America, where, where we're getting to a point where we are no longer willing to enforce the law. In other words, and it, it's almost that to a point, so it's like, like we have, you know, we have the laws that we set in place, and we have cities, and we have state law and governments and, 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 and all those kind of things, and we have places and people in, in place that are supposed to enforce the law. But to me, the corruption has gotten so high, it's almost gotten to a level where there's no one, who, who's left to enforce the law? And just recently, when, when we had the uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned, and and I don't understand why people were so upset about that. Roe v. Wade was a result of elections. We, we, the, as a whole, America elected a president that in turn appointed justices that, 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 they, that they, as a majority, overturned the law. And then, it, then the, the, the Supreme Court said that it's going back, it's going to go back to the states. And the states are going to be able to do what? We're going to be able to vote. And we're going to be able to make the decision, what does my state want? But they are making it sound like it's such a cruel thing when really everything that's happened with that 
in my estimation, is a result of elections. We, we've elected these people to do what, what we wanted them to do, and that's what they've done. So the city of New Orleans um, has come right out and said, point blank, they're not even trying to hide this, we will not enforce the law. That's dangerous. Because if they're willing to say, we're not going to enforce that law, then what other law are you not going to enforce? And who gives you the right to decide which laws you do enforce and which laws you don't? So it, it's, very, it's very frustrating. And I, and I know sometimes maybe some of you think, as your pastor, these things don't bother me because maybe I don't speak a lot from the pulpit. And I do that because I don't believe the pulpit is a place, it's a place to speak the word of God. We speak the truth. And I've touched on these things before. We, we are probably, Brother Bill Mayer can tell you, our church is probably more vocal in the arena of pro-life than most churches. And I'm proud of that. I'm, I'm very proud. I'm not ashamed. That's something that directly aligns with what the word of God says. That God is a God of life. He's not a God of death at any stage of, 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 of life. So I'm very proud of the stand that we take. And um, but so, But as a as a pastor and as a Christian, as a person, I get very frustrated. I, 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 you can ask my wife, I, and I told you this before, I can't look at the news anymore. I can't listen to this, 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 this lie, this deception. It, 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 is, it is extremely frustrating. But, I, but as a pastor and as a Christian, I have to stay grounded in what the Word of God says. I can't, because if not, I can allow all these things to take me off and to fly away into these, these chases of other things. I can't, we, we have to be grounded as Christians. That's so important for us to do those things. But is the church condemning the world they live in? And that's really a question we have to ask each of us, ourselves individually, because we are the church. The church isn't this building. It's not buildings, it's people. It's the people who occupy the buildings, make up the church. So ask yourself, as I'm asking myself, does the, is the church condemning the world that they live in. And I have to say that in some respects, I'm guilty of that. Um, I'm, I complain about the injustice in politics and that that's in government, um, the judges and the elected officials. I, 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 get, I get very frustrated, and sometimes it does anger me. It, it, it does, and it's extremely frustrating. But, but I believe we cross a line when it becomes a place or become, gets to a point where it's, it's not anger anymore, it's condemnation. <laughs> we begin to condemn them. That's a dangerous place to be. So why are we surprised when the world acts as it should? And I say this all the time. I told my wife that. I said, you know, we get frustrated with politics. We get frustrated with politicians. Well, that's, it's a fallen world. That, that's, that's the world we live in. That, that's what, we don't like it, but that's what we should expect. That, that's what should be expected. Romans chapter 3 says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. So there's not a single person the Bible tells us that's righteous. No one that seeks God. No, no one that even has a, a desire to want to do right. That, that's how wicked the world is that we live in. So Jesus and it's remarkable when you look at the, the Gospels and the, 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 the recordings of Christ's life, Jesus never once that I can find ever condemned the world. He, he never condemned the sinner. He never uh, judged the, the sinner. And it, it is remarkable in John 3.17, it says, God did not send his son into the world 
to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So if Jesus is not condemning the world, then neither should the church. That, that's, not, that's not our responsibility. So um, what, what, it, what is it that the church is called to do? When we think of the wickedness in the world that we live in, what is the church called to do? Well, we are not called to judge. That's not our place. We are not called to condemn. Uh, God has not called us to sit back and complain, and I'm, I can do a good job of that. I, I could just sit back, and I could just, just in my mind, just, just, just wallow in all the things that are happening in the world. Woe is me, and woe is my family, and woe is everything else that has happened. I'm the, I'm the best person to sit back and do that. But that's not what God has called the church to do. So what are we called to do? Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on, a, on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So that's the title of our message today is Let Your Light Shine. That's what God has called the church to do is shine the light of Jesus Christ. See, the Lord saved us for a purpose. And, and think about this. If God, if all God intended to do was just save us from our sins, what would he have done the moment we were saved? He would have taken us away. It would have been like, okay, you're saved, he's saved, she's saved. Okay, let, let, let's go, let's, let, let, let's save the next bunch. But why did God leave us here? Because God needs his church to shine the light of Jesus Christ. We don't shine our light. We shine the light of Jesus Christ that's inside of us. But everywhere the church goes, we represent the light of Jesus Christ. So God has, has, has an intended purpose for his church is to shine the light of Jesus Christ. So instead of complaining about the world we live in, look at yourself as changing the world you live in. That's really what God has called us to do, not complain, but to say, what can I do to change my world? And it might not be big, but every one of us playing a small part can make a big difference in the community that, that you and I live in. So really in this message, and this is what God did for me, I believe the Lord wants to change our perspective on the way, on the way we look at the world. We are not called to point out the flaws and failures of the world. We are called to make a difference in a flawed and failed world. That's what God has called us to do. And I believe a lot of times, and again, I'm, I'm just as guilty of this, sometimes we've been saved too long, and we forget what it was like before we got saved, or we forget that if it wasn't for Christ, we would be just like the world. We would be the same. And, and, and I, I was saved at a young age, and I always think about this. I shudder to think what path my life would have taken if my life wouldn't have taken the path of Christ. That, 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 that makes me shudder to think what, what, what that could have been. So we, we cannot stand back in judgment. It's not look how bad the world is. It's, it's the world is a dark place, and I'm here to give it light. In other words, it's not like God has given the church the, the, the responsibility of, of reporting to God, look how bad the world is. The, the world is bad. It, it is a dark place. And it doesn't need you and me making a, re a recording of how bad it is. It is bad. It's dark. And that's, that's, that's the world in which you and I live in. So 
Can I, can I make a difference in the world I live in? You know, I, hopefully you ask yourself that as a Christian. I ask myself that every day. What can I do to make a difference in the world that, that I live in? And, you know, really, and not just in, in the world, in our families, in school, in the workplace, what can I do to make a difference? But it's not can I, it's will I. Because we, we, we have the light of Christ. Will you take the light of Jesus that's in you and make a difference in the dark world in which you and I live? Um, so you, we are the light because of Christ in us. So today, and I'm, this is what the Lord did for me, is I'm asking the Lord to give us new eyes, give us a new perspective on the world that we live in. And instead of sitting back and, and analyzing and recording how bad it is and all the things that are unjust, the government, the politicians, the, the, the leaders we elect, you know, on and on and on and on. Instead of looking back and sitting, sitting back in judgment, let's sit back and say, God, what is it you've called me to do to make a difference in this dark world? What light can I be? What, 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 difference, what difference can I make in this world that I live in? And I, I believe... Um, if we change our perspective, it, it will change our attitude and actions toward the world. I really do. Because, um, again, when we look at the news and we just sit back and we just like, we point the finger and look how bad and look how bad and look how bad, but that's not really what God has called us to do. It's what can I do to make a difference in the world that I live in. So Jesus um, prayed for us before he left the earth. And if you want to be encouraged, read the last three or four chapters in the, well, not, not the last four, but the last three or four chapters in John before Jesus was, erected, uh, was arrested and crucified. It's a very encouraging passage. Jesus, he shares with his disciples, they were very distraught that he was going to be leaving the earth, but Jesus actually told them, it's better that I go because if I go, I'm going to leave with you an advocate or a, or a helper or, or a comforter, Jesus said. Who was that? That was the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said that right now, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. But Jesus said, soon the Holy Spirit will be in you. There was the presence and the power of God will be in you. So Jesus was explaining to him the work of the Holy Spirit. And then he went on in one of the chapters, he prayed for the disciples. And then he prayed for all believers. So really, when you read that chapter, he was praying for you. No, it was for us who had, had, had yet to be born, but Christ knew we would be saved Jesus was praying, he was praying for us. So very encouraging scripture there. But listen to what Jesus said in John uh, chapter 17. He says, he's speaking to his father, says, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And again, Jesus is telling his disciples, but this, this is an, an, a very intriguing passage here. And I just want to break this down and look at what it is that Christ is speaking to us, his church. In verse 14, it says, I have given them your word, He's talking about his disciples, which Christ is talking about us. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. So the first thing I want to look at, and this is going to sound so obvious, but I want to explain this. The world that we live in is lost. The world that you and I live in is lost. And Jesus said, the world has hated them 
because of him and God's word. So um, this, this may sound uh, cruel and, um, and blunt, but, but if you become a follower of Jesus, the world will hate you. That, that's what the Bible says. And that's not what a lot of preachers or a lot of churches are preaching from the pulpit, but, but the Bible makes it crystal clear. If you become a Christian and you stand up and you say, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, the Bible makes it very clear the world will hate you. You will be hated by the world. Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. So Jesus was basically telling, telling the world and telling his disciples that, look, the world hates me. They hate what I stand for. They hate the word. They hate, they hate what I'm, the way I speak. Everything I'm doing, the world hates me. And now if you become a follower of me, guess what's going to happen? They're going to hate you too. So it was like Jesus was telling us in advance what it was going to be like. And what did Jesus say in the parable of the house? He said, he said what did it count, your, count the cost? So you've you got to count the cost before you become. And one of the things that we count the cost in is that you are going to be hated by the world that we live in. See, the seeker-friendly churches that are preaching a message of prosperity and acceptance is preaching a false gospel. I don't find that in the Bible. I don't find where we're going to be loved and accepted by the world. And I don't find where we're going to all of a sudden, as Christians, become rich and prosperous. I believe God wants to bless his church, and it's, it's God's desire for his people to be blessed. But there's no, there's no teaching uh, in the Bible that says when you become a Christian, you will be rich or you will prosper, or you will not have any trials, or you will not. If anything, it's the opposite of those things that the Bible says. Jesus replied in one of, one of, the, one of the Gospels, it says, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus didn't even have a place to call his own. And we are claiming as followers of Christ that we are going to be so prosperous, and Christ didn't even own a home. That's a false teaching. That's a that's a false gospel. If Christianity is all about life and riches and prosperity that's void of any trials and persecution, then Jesus was a false teacher. Jesus never taught, taught us those things. So there's no way to sugarcoat being a Christian. There's no, way, there's no sense in hiding it or sugarcoating it. It's a, it's a true fact. If you stand up for Christ in this world that we live in, you will be hated. You will be despised. And Jesus even said, for some of us, it will be in your own families. What he said, mother against daughter, father against son, all those different things. Jesus said, even within, within, your, within your own family. But, but I want us to think about this for a moment. The world in which we live in is lost. Now, we say that a lot, but I think a lot of times when we say that, we don't really contemplate what, what that really means and the reality of the truth that that is saying. But, but you got to think about this. Jesus, when Jesus came to the earth... Jesus came as a baby, but he, he came to the earth as the Messiah, as the Savior, the Bible says. But Jesus landed in a place that was completely lost. That was like, they, they were completely void of any desire or any hunger whatsoever for God, for the things of God, for, for Christ, for his word, for anything like that. The world that Christ came in, it's a lost and fallen world. And a lot of times we, we sit back and we condemn the world but really, that's the state that the world is in. In other words, that's the condition that they're in. The world, the, the world is lost. And Jesus came to a world that, that opposed everything he stood for. And the remarkable thing about Christ is he still came. 
Jesus knew that when he came to the world, the world was going to reject him. But yet Christ was still willing to come. Why? Because he loved us. Because he was willing to die that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord might be saved. That's why God did this. But think about this. Jesus knew he was coming to a world that was going to reject him, that was going to oppose him. The world that we live in is lost. And even, even from birth, if you read the, the gospel accounts of Jesus' birth, even as a baby when Jesus was born, if you remember King Herod, he went to the Magi. Remember what, what Herod said? He goes, when you, find the, when you find the Messiah, when you find this Christ child, tell me where he is so I can go and worship him too. Well, guess what Herod wanted to do? He wanted to kill him. He didn't want to go worship him. And the Bible says an angel told the Magi what was going on. And the, the Magi went, went, went a different route. And the Bible says when Herod found out that he had been deceived, what did he do? He ordered that all the, all the male babies in Bethlehem that were two years and younger to be slaughtered. That, that there was the world that Jesus came to was a lost world. It's the same place for you and I today. The world is lost the place that we live in, the, the, we, are, we are surrounded by a, by a world of people that they are lost. They, they, they don't understand God. They have no desire for God. They don't know the things of God. They, they are in a lost state and a lost condition. They are hostile toward God. They're not wanting the truth. They're not seeking goods. Their minds are darkened by sin. So this is really where I believe God, and this is where God really kind of gave me a new perspective on this, because I'll be honest, I can, get, I can get wrapped up in how bad the world is, and I can be the first one to start pointing a finger, but God really kind of stood me back for a second and said, wait a minute, I want you just to step back for a moment and think about the world in which you live. They're lost. This, 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 this like you said, they, they are like sheep without a shepherd. They, they are a lost world, so... I think if we change our perspective on the condition of the world, rather than judging them and condemning them, but understanding their condition, I believe it will give us another level of compassion for them. I, I really do, because that is their state. That, that is the condition in which they live. Ephesians chapter 4 says, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardening of their heart. So Paul was explaining the, the world we live in today, that they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. So instead of the church condemning their condition, we need to see their condition, that that's who they are. They, they are lost. And, and, and just, uh, just as Saul was persecuting the church, um, so too is the world. That, that's, that's the world that we live in. So the Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That's why Christ came. And that's why the church exists, to go after the lost. To, just what Jesus said, what he said, I leave the 99. He, he leaves the, the church. He leaves those who are safe and secure and does what? He goes after the one. He goes after the lost. So I'm not saying this to say that I'm making an excuse for their behavior. They, they have the ability to make a choice to accept Christ just as we do. But what I am saying is the church needs to see that the world is lost. That's the world that we live in. And the way they act and the things that they do really should not come as a shock or a surprise to us. That's what lost people do. That's what wicked people do. That, that's what somebody does that doesn't want Jesus, that doesn't want the truth of what the Word of God says. So the church has to find a way to reach the lost, to, to, to be the light of Christ. And 
And again, Jesus, we say, well, the world's so bad today. It wasn't like that when Christ was, was, was alive. I don't believe that. I believe it was just as wicked as it was in Christ in Christ's time. It was just as wicked in the Old Testament. Read, read some of the Old Testament accounts of the wickedness of people and their hearts. So it is no, no, no more difficult to live for Christ now than it was for the disciples to live in Jesus' time. We have to discover who we are, church, that God has given us the responsibility of being the light of Jesus. And instead of walking around saying, look how bad the world is, walk around with your head held high, not, not in pride or arrogance, but just in humility and brokenness. I'm a Christian. I've got the truth. I, 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 I've, why do I have the truth? Because I've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, and the Bible says a new birth took place. I've been born again. See, that's what they, they are not born again. Their spirit, they are dead. Just like the, Paul said, they're darkened in their hearts. But when the light of Christ comes, what happens? Then all of a sudden, just like Saul, what happens? Saul, the, the, the blinders, the veil was taken from his eyes, and now Saul could see Jesus for who he really was. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. See, we can't, I can't convict anyone. If you read those chapters in John I was talking about, one of the things that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do was to convict the world of sin and of righteousness. So we don't convict the world, but what is the church supposed to do? We speak the truth. We, we are messengers. We are conduits. We, we, are, we are voices of, 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 of just speaking the truth of what the Word of God says. And when we speak the truth, we pray the power of the Holy Spirit comes and does what? Brings conviction. Just like it happened to us. God saved us. God changed us. We were darkened in the world. We were blind. We were God-haters, all those different things. And what happened? The Holy Spirit came and changed us. God can do the same for them. So the world that we live in is, is, is lost, and we need to see and recognize it, that that's the condition of the world that we live in. The next thing, look what Jesus said in verse 14. says, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. And the next thing I want us to see is we don't belong in the world we live in. We don't belong in the world we live in. We are in the world. The Bible says we are in the world. Why? Well, there's no other place to live. They, they, they think eventually we're going to live on Mars. If you want to go move to Mars, you can move to Mars. I'm staying here on planet Earth. I'm, I'm not going to go to Mars. But we are in the world because this is the only place we have to live. But what does Jesus say? And what does the Bible say? We are not of the world or, or we are not like the world. In other words, we are, we are in the world because this is the only place we have to live. But I don't act and conduct my life according to the patterns of the world. I'm not of the world. I'm not, I'm not like the world. So, so we don't belong in the world that, that, that we live in. And so what, when, when the Bible talks about the world, what is the world? Well, it's not talking about the earth, like the physical planet, although the Bible does say the earth itself has been corrupted because of sin. But when the Bible speaks of the world in general, it's talking about the lost condition of mankind. It's talking about the unbeliever. And it's also speaking of the world's systems, the world's mindset. So that's when we begin to look at the media. We look at governments. Uh, we look at the Hollywood, all those different things. So what are they doing? The world, all those different things in the world, they are corrupted by sin. So that's why I said, and it doesn't mean the church shouldn't try to influence and change the world, but the church should not be shocked and surprised when the world acts the way it does. They're, they're corrupt. They're, they're wicked. They are sinners. So, 
But when the, but, but the world, when the Bible says the world, it's speaking of the unbeliever, the, the heathen, the ungodly, those who don't want God, the, the worldly systems in, in which we live in. All that is in the world, the Bible says, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of their possessions. That, that's the love of the world, the Bible says. And what are, what are we to do as believers? We are to separate ourselves from that. Now, that's difficult to do because we live in this world. We, we, we live in here, so we see all these things. We hear all these things. But the Bible says, what, what did Jesus do? He called us out. He called us out of darkness into his marvelous light that we might demonstrate the wonderful glories and the things of Christ that, that God has done for us. So God has called us out of the world. See, but this world that you and I live in, this is not our home. Do y'all know that? This is not home. And, and if you look at the faith heroes in Hebrews, they said, they said they admitted that they were strangers and aliens on earth. They were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. So we have to think of ourselves like we are just strangers here. And that's hard to do because this earth is all we see. It's all we touch. It's all, it's all we have to hold on to. But really, we're just strangers and aliens. Above us. And guess what? We're just passing through. So th th this is not your home. Th this is not the final resting place for the believer. There's a, there's a much better place than, than, than where we are, than where we're living now. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. So the thing I want to say to the church this morning is don't fall in love with a place you don't belong don't fall in love with this place. Don't fall in love with his desires and the things of the world. That, that's hard to do, but that's part of the separation that God does with his church. He's separating us from the desires and the loves and the love of the world. We are, we are only passing through here. Paul said, uh, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. See, Paul knew for him to live for Christ, he had to be dead to the world. And the world had to be dead to him. That's the place you have to come to. But when we're talking about souls and we're talking about hearts and talking about people, that's what God has called the church to do is to shine the light of Jesus Christ to the hearts of those who are corrupt and those who are lost. See, the Bible says all who remain in Adam are lost and corrupt. But the Bible says that Jesus became the second Adam so that all in Christ have life. We've been, that's the new birth. We've been, we've been born again, the Bible says, and we have been set free from the curse of sin and are now in Jesus Christ. That's the message that we have for the lost. Come to Jesus. Come to Christ. You can be saved. You can be delivered from this world. You can be set free, and you can be given eternal life. God will give you eternal life in Jesus Christ. So we are transferred from the kingdom of this world to the kingdom of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're not living in the kingdom of this world. You're living in the kingdom of God, church. That's where we are. And God has, God has called his church to be the light of Jesus Christ. So it's natural for a Christian to feel uncomfortable here. We should feel uncomfortable. You should never get comfortable here. You know, when somebody comes into your home, what do you, what do you tell somebody when they come over? Get comfortable and make yourself at home. Well, don't say that in this earth. Don't ever say get comfortable and make yourself at home here because that's not what God has called us to do. Don't get comfortable here because this isn't the place that God has called us to live. Um, so, so the obvious question to ask is, 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 um, 
if this is not where we belong, then why am I here? Why, why has God left us here? Well, look what Jesus says in verse 15. He said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And the next thing I want us to see here is the world needs the light of Jesus. The world needs to see the light of Jesus Christ. And look what Jesus said there. He's praying to the Father, and he's telling the Father not to take them or take us out of the world. In other words, why did Jesus say that? Because Jesus knew the church had a purpose. There was a reason why we had to be left here, and it was to shine the light and the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost world. Jesus said, again, I'm just going to read this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what God has called the church to do, is to let the light of Jesus Christ shine in the hearts of believers. We, we carry the message of hope to a dark world. And I'm just going to say this, Donald Trump is not, the, is not the hope for a dark world. The Republican Party is not the hope for a dark world. Politicians are not the hope for a dark world. The church is the hope. Jesus Christ in the church is the hope for a dark world. God has given the church the mandate to go and save, to go and preach the message of, of the gospel that saves the world, not the, not the government. Don't we, we want to, yes, we want to infect the government, we want to change the government, but that's not the mechanism that God is going to use. The mechanism is God's church. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are in a kingdom. See, governments are still attached to the world, but God's church is disconnected from the world. We are in a kingdom of God. We are, we are separated from the ways of the world. We are not dependent on men. God is our source. We are in the kingdom of heaven. So, so, so it's a heavy responsibility, but the church, when we look at the world and we say, who's going to fix the world? God has given the church the mandate. We should be shining the light. So it's our church right here in, in, in East Stadium Drive and the, all the different churches in, in Covington and Mandeville and Abita Springs. Imagine if every church where they were planted was shining the light of Jesus Christ on the hill where God placed them. We would make a difference. I really believe we'd make a difference. See, the devil says, well, you're small, you're just one person, you're a small church. No, but you can make a difference where you're at, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your community. Shine the light of Jesus. Be the light. Jesus said you are the light. We don't hide the light. We're just like he said, like he said, if you get a lamp in your house, you don't go and put a blanket over the lamp and say, lamp, don't light my room. No, you stick it somewhere where it's, where it's going to, you know, radiate the most light. That's what Jesus wants you and I to do. We carry the message of hope. So we are not here for ourselves. We are here for the Lord. That's what we're here to do. You've heard me say this, this gathering that we have in our church, this is not a religion. It's not like, you know, um, I'm a Christian or I'm a, I'm a, I live in St. Tammany Parish and I work wherever I work and this is where I work, this is where I live, this is what I do, and then this is where I go to church. No, this is your life. Like, it's not your religion, like a box where you check off, okay, here's my religion. I got that box, that box is checked off. No, this is, this is our life. Like, like, literally eternal life and eternal death. This is what the, and God has given us the mandate, the beautiful responsibility 
of sharing the gospel. That's what we do. Is everybody going to accept it? No. But some people will. Some people will. A lot of people, people, they flock to Jesus. Like, and they didn't know he was God. I mean, he said he was, but they didn't know it. And if they heard him say it, they didn't believe him. But there was something about Jesus that was very attractive to sinners. Not to the religious. The religious despised him, but the sinners loved him. Because you know why? He never condemned them. He spoke to them the truth, but they always felt like Jesus was, like he was on their side, like he wasn't against them, he was with them. Just like the Bible says. And that's, the, that's really what the church needs to be. We're not, we're not, called, we're not called to condemn. We're, we're called to love the people who are lost. See, we are on a hill shining the light of Jesus in our lives. We are, we are declaring the message of salvation. We are telling the world there's hope. There is hope. There's hope for this world. And it's not in politics. It's not in government. It's in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only hope for this world. There is, there is no other answer. There is no other hope. That's the message that the church proclaims. We declare the message of Jesus Christ. That salvation is found in no one else. So we are not called to condemn. And I, I pray that the revelation that, that God gave me in this message was communicated to you because sometimes I don't know how this is, you know, this, the communication part. It's not just the words I'm speaking. It's the revelation of what God showed me. And God really gave me a vision out. I mean, it just, he kind of slapped me one day and just sat me back and just, and just really made me pause. And just for a, for a moment, God just gave me a glimpse of the whole world. And the first thing that God told me is they're lost. And I'm like, God, I've, he I've heard that so many times. I've said that so many times. But it was like a, a new perspective of God will show me they are lost. They, they are, they, that's the condition that they're in. Go shine the light. Go shine the hope that we have in Jesus Christ.